0: Hey everyone, this is Pedro Chung, and welcome to Bible Sumo Weekly, a weekly Bible study for everyday Christians. We are continuing our series in the book of Genesis, and we are starting the life of Joseph. Episode title, Introduction to Joseph. In this episode, we will take a closer look at Joseph's childhood and how God prepares him for the difficult life he will live to protect and preserve his family. The story of Joseph covers more space than any other person in the book of Genesis, more than Adam, Noah, or even Abraham and Jacob. And even those of us who may be unfamiliar with the Old Testament will recognize Joseph. Just as Noah is known for his ark, Jonah known for the big fish, Joseph is known to many of us for his multicolored coat. Now I'm going to cover five topics in this introduction to the Joseph narrative. First, Joseph's childhood and upbringing. Next, Joseph's model character. Third, Joseph in the New Testament. Fourth, Joseph's similarities with Christ Jesus. And fifth, Joseph and God's providence. So let me begin with the first topic, Joseph's childhood. Now, the story of Joseph begins in Genesis chapter 37. And let me just read verse 2 these are the generations of jacob joseph being 17 years old well let's just stop there here in genesis 37 verse 2 we see the 11th and final Toledot heading these are the generations of jacob and it's in this final portion of genesis that we follow the life of joseph beginning from age 17 to 110. Now, if you've been studying with me through the Old Testament these last few months, you already know Joseph's family's background and his challenging upbringing as a child. But if you haven't, let me remind us of his family. Well, his great-grandfather was the first patriarch, Abraham. His grandfather was Isaac. And his father is Jacob, which means heel-grabber, supplanter, or deceiver. Now, you remember that his father Jacob supplanted his brother Esau by manipulating him to give him the birthright in exchange for red lentil stew back in Genesis 25. Later, Jacob deceives his father Isaac and he receives the covenantal blessing, but it's a blessing that Isaac had intended to bestow on his older brother Esau in Genesis 27. And because of this, Jacob had to flee to Haran for his life since his brother Esau was wanting to kill him. Now Joseph's maternal grandfather was Laban, and he was also a schemer. You recall that Laban persuaded Jacob to work for him for seven years as a bride price for his daughter Rachel. Remember that three or four years of manual labor was generally the going rate for a bride price. But Laban later deceived Jacob even further by switching his daughters, slipping in Leah instead of Rachel to be Jacob's wife on their wedding night in Genesis 29. So Laban forced Jacob to work for him another seven years for the right to marry Rachel. When Jacob wanted to return to Canaan after 14 years, Laban prevented Jacob from leaving Haran because Laban had the legal authority to forbid his daughters from leaving their homeland. So for another six years, Laban continued to cheat Jacob out of his fair wages in hopes that Joseph's father Jacob will remain destitute and forced to remain in Haran as Laban's forever servant. And it is here in Haran where Joseph is born. Now remember, six of Joseph's brothers were first born to Leah, and four other sons and one daughter were born to Jacob's two concubines. Rachel remained infertile until she finally conceived and gave birth to Joseph. So Joseph is the eleventh son born, but he was the firstborn son to Jacob's beloved and favored wife, Rachel. So Jacob had ten brothers and one sister when he was born. There were four mothers altogether in the family, and there was rivalry and competition between them. And this probably permeated over to Joseph's brothers as well. When Joseph's father Jacob takes his family and quietly leaves Haran, running away from his grandfather Laban, Joseph was probably only six or seven years old. But I'm sure at his age, he would have still remembered his family's flight. And Joseph would have remembered his grandfather chasing them down, catching up to his family at Gilead. I'm sure he would have seen his mother taking his grandfather's household gods right before they had left. And he probably witnessed the subsequent confrontation between his father and grandfather. He would have heard his grandfather's accusation that dad left without letting grandpa kiss his grandchildren one final time. He may have even helped his family set the boundary markers to confirm the promise that his family would never cross the boundary to visit his grandfather again. I'm sure he understood all of the deceptive tactics employed from his grandfather Laban, his mother Rachel, and his father Jacob. Now Joseph would have also remember his uncle Esau approaching with 400 armed men and the threat of death and he must have remembered crossing the ford at Jabbok in the middle of the night with his mother and brothers without his father. What thoughts must have filled Joseph's mind when he saw his father set his concubines and children in front, followed by Leah and her sons and daughter, and leaving Jacob and his mother Rachel in the back? I mean, Joseph knew he was always favored because his mother Rachel was favored. Joseph would have remembered his sister Dinah being kidnapped and raped before Joseph was even a teenager. And he would have learned that his brothers Simeon and Levi slaughtered all of the male townsmen in Shechem. And he would have also remembered that their family were forced to leave Shechem shortly after they had bought a plot of land to sojourn amongst neighbors that feared and abhorred his family. You know, Joseph wasn't any stranger to seeing death either. He never saw his grandmother, Rebecca, but he did witness the death of her nurse, Deborah. And worse, he sees his mother, Rachel, dying while giving birth to his younger brother, Benjamin. Joseph had an imperfect family. There was pervasive deception, unmerited favoritism, heinous sins like rape and murder, and the unexpected death of his mother. Joseph experienced a lot by the time he was 17. But you know what? God used these trials and challenges to prepare Joseph for the difficult tasks that lied ahead with life in Egypt that will allow him to save his entire family. Well, let me turn to a second topic, and that's the topic of Joseph's model character. You know, one thing is remarkable here, in the entire Joseph narrative from Genesis chapter 37 through Genesis chapter 50, never do we actually see Joseph depicted negatively. I mean, the book of Genesis highlights faults in most of its heroes of faith. I mean, look at Adam, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All of them had their faults highlighted. But there is no obvious character flaw recorded about Joseph. The portrait of Joseph is extraordinary. We really have to be hard-pressed to find anything blameworthy in Joseph. When we read about Joseph's life here in the Genesis narrative, we see that the story is descriptive, not prescriptive. What I mean by that is that The verbs used in the biblical narrative are, in general, in the indicative mood, not the imperative mood. But we see here that Joseph is truly a model for all of us as Christians. And in the Joseph narrative, we see Joseph doing some incredible things. He overcomes envy. He faces adversity. He resists sexual advances. He plans for the future. He is able to forgive others. He trusts in God's promises, and he recognizes God's sovereignty and providence. If you have trouble finding heroes in your life, you should look to Joseph. He truly is a model for all of us to follow. Well, let me spend a couple of minutes uh, talking about Joseph in the New Testament. Did you know that more spoken words are recorded by Joseph than any other character in the book of Genesis? but Joseph is not quoted even once in the New Testament. In fact, the New Testament mentions Joseph only four times. The first is in John chapter 4, verse 5, and refers to land near Sakaar that Jacob had given Joseph. The second mention is in Acts chapter 7, verse 9 to 14, where we see Stephen's summary of the Joseph story that is given in his testimony before Stephen dies as a martyr. The third mention is in Hebrews 11, verse 22, where Joseph is included in the Old Testament heroes of the faith. And the fourth and final mention is in the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verse 8, which speaks of 12,000 people from the tribe of Joseph. Our Lord Jesus Christ himself never references Joseph. Let me read in Acts chapter 7 how uh, Stephen summarizes the story of Joseph. And the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him out of all his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who made him ruler over Egypt and over all his household. Now there came a famine throughout all Egypt and Canaan and great affliction, And our fathers could find no food. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers on their first visit. And on the second visit, Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. And Joseph sent and summoned Jacob his father and all his kindred, seventy five persons in all. Let me make a few observations on Stephen's summary here in Acts chapter seven. First, notice that Joseph's ten brothers are referred to as patriarchs. Jacob and the eleven other sons were referred to as our fathers. All of Israel are God's chosen people, not just a tribe of Judah or Joseph and his two sons. A second observation. But despite his brother's rejection, Joseph was not alone. Stephen comments that God was with him. God rescued him. God gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh. A third observation. We see here that Joseph is described as summoning Jacob and their family and household, 75 in all. The main point of Joseph's narrative is that we see that Joseph is able to save the entire family from the great famine that plagued all Egypt and Canaan. Let me read to you Hebrews chapter 11, verse 22. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. So before Joseph dies, he instructs his brothers to take his bones and bring them back to Canaan. You see, the final destination in the Joseph narrative is not safety and comfort in Egypt. Joseph only spent a few years of his childhood in the promised land, but he was constantly looking forward in faith to God's covenantal promises, knowing that their final destination would be to return to the promised land of Canaan. Let me read to you Genesis chapter 50 verse 24. Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So, the New Testament gives us an overall summary of what the big picture is about in this Joseph narrative. Let me take a look at another topic and that is Joseph's similarities with Christ Jesus. Now there are many similarities that we will find between Joseph and our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, A.W. Pink lists many similarities in his book Gleanings in Genesis published in 1922. Let me just list to you a few of the similarities. Both Joseph and Jesus were beloved by their fathers. Both Joseph and Jesus were envied and hated without a cause. Both were stripped of their clothing. Both were sold for silver. Both resisted temptation. Both were falsely accused. Both had all people commanded to bow to him. Both had their people not recognize him. Both embraced God's purpose, even though it brought them intense physical harm. And both welcomed Gentiles to be a part of their family. Well, Let me cover one final topic, and that is Joseph and God's providence. There is perhaps one most important lesson we can learn from the narrative of Joseph. This story is perhaps one of the best examples of the benevolent providence of God. Let me read to you a couple of verses. First, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And in Genesis 50, 20, it reads, and this is Joseph speaking, As for you, you meant evil against me but God meant it for good and to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. You know, God's providence and the idea of God's providence, it boggles my mind more than any miracle. Let me explain. So a miracle is when God suspends natural law to do something outside of natural law, like walking on water, Or raising someone from the dead. Providence is when God accomplishes his ends and purposes without suspending natural law. Rather, God takes all the elements of natural law and he blends them together in a masterful way to achieve his purposes. All the actors, their activities, their thoughts and words, all the surrounding events and contingencies. I mean, just think a moment about how God works in the, in the Joseph narrative through the various actors through providence. God works in Joseph's father and the multicolored coat that is given to Joseph with favoritism. God worked through Joseph's brothers, even using their sinful jealousy and envy. God worked in bringing the timely arrival of the caravan of Ishmaelites traveling to Egypt while Joseph's brothers and Joseph were at Dothan. God worked through Potiphar and even Potiphar's wife. God worked through the captain of the guard in prison. God worked through Pharaoh and giving him the dreams and needing the interpretation of his dreams. God even worked through a cupbearer and a baker in prison with the cupbearer who survived remembering Joseph two years later. So just to recap, we covered Joseph's trials in his childhood, Joseph's model character, Joseph's four references in the New Testament, Joseph's similarities with Christ Jesus, and Joseph's recognition of God's providence. Can you tell a little bit that the Joseph narrative is one of my favorite stories in all of Holy Scripture? Well, thanks for listening to Bible Sumo. And for more information about me or this podcast, visit our website at biblesumo.com. In our next episode, we will continue our series in Genesis and the Joseph narrative as we study this great adventure orchestrated and recorded by our great God. Subscribe to the podcast to listen to our Bible studies each week.